0: Okay, good evening everyone. Welcome to our evening session. Buddha talked about... Buddha talked a lot about refuge and protection Basically the Buddha saw problems He saw problems He saw suffering People say he was a pessimist we're really lucky that the Buddha saw the problems and saw suffering and that his concern was so much about things like refuge and protection because if the Buddha had just talked about what was enjoyable in the world it wouldn't really help us at all right you don't come Practice meditation because you're really happy. Come to practice meditation generally because you see the problem or you want to find the problem because you see the suffering. There's much, much danger in the world. There's much that we are susceptible to simple facts of life, old age, sickness, death but beyond that there's so much the ordinary person is so vulnerable rich or poor, doesn't really matter our susceptibility, our vulnerability So many kinds of suffering Daily, you know We wake up From the time we wake up to the time we go to sleep Danger lurks Even in the form of the people around us Who knows when they're going to say something We don't like Do something that hurts us Even our own bodies Who knows what it's going to be like today Maybe today I'll have a backache Or a headache Or a stomachache Maybe I'll trip and fall Or cut myself This isn't even talking about When we have to go out into the world And work and meet with people Who want to compete with us And want to manipulate us People who try to There are people who Spend all their time trying to manipulate others and cheat them and hurt them. People who are bent on hurting others. It's amazing, know that the world is full of such things. It's enough to make you quite terrified of this world. And so the Buddha taught about protection And I think it's much, it it comes much from the fact that people are looking for protection So if you have all these dangers in the world You do what you can to protect yourself, right? And you seek out protection So Where do we find protection? Right, this is the question The Buddha said uh, sana, sana tha viharata. Dwell with protection Dwell as one who has a refuge Ma anata, Not as one without refuge Don't just be this happy-go-lucky person That just hopes that everything turns out all right and then suffers terribly when things go wrong be invincible dukang viharati anatho viharati one without a refuge dwells in suffering So the Buddha taught the Nata Karana Dhamma. Dhammas that these dhammas act as protection. Protection for us. So, good dhammas to learn. It provides a fairly rounded list of qualities, something worth thinking about, give us a really sort of well rounded perspective on the practice, and it's useful. To remember that it's not just mindfulness that protects us Mindfulness I think is really the core But there's much more that, that we need to keep in mind in order to succeed So the first thing that protects us is, is ethics, morality Of course, because if you're unethical You're much more likely to, lead to, to come across danger Unethical you'll be subject to punishment, subject to retribution, enmity, malice, and even just the the fear and, and guilt of being an, an, an evil person. chara no one who knows what is suitable and what is unsuitable. Number two, one is a bahusutta, one has learned much It's much learning so coming to these talks every night you learn more and more not just about yourself but about the broader theory behind the practice you guys spend all day learning about yourself but you come here I can't teach you about yourself but I can give you some theory that will help you when you practice to learn about yourself So to have learned much this is very useful so that you don't get lost If you learn just a little it's easy to get stuck because you you think that what you know is everything and you build a small picture and think it's the big picture and it's easy to get lost because you have to fill in the blanks yourself And you get the wrong idea about the practice. But when you've studied a lot, it's much harder to to get lost like that. Number three one has good friends. Good friends is interesting. We think of good friends as people who sit around and chat. Someone who you can have long conversations with. So when you hear about this, you think, oh, well, my mistake, I should be making friends with all the other meditators. Maybe I'll go hang out in their room for a while. (laughs) Don't do that. If I catch you hanging out in each other's rooms, I'll be very disappointed. Well, I'll frown very, very severely. (laughs) I'll try anyway. No, a good friend is, uh, I mean I'm the good friend here If uh, if we don't become good friends then we're in trouble If I'm not a good friend to you then we're in big trouble A good friend is one who gives you meditation practice A good friend is one who supports you in your practice The Buddha, The Buddha is our friend, I'm just an emissary but We're lucky we have this this friendship And we're friends with each other How are we friends with each other? How are you friends with each other Even if you don't know each other's names? Because you give each other the opportunity to practice Because you don't go and hang out in each other's rooms It's a really bad friend who Who wastes all your time chatting you up About useless things It's a bad friend who sits in your room and asks you about your life and makes jokes and that's a friend who wastes your time A good friend is the one who says, that person's meditating I will just let them be, give them the opportunity to learn about themselves It's quite difficult, you know just to live in such close quarters and, and not waste people waste each other's time, not distract each other from the practice. You're doing such a good service to each other. Such a good so being such good friends to each other by by not interacting, by by purposefully being peaceful with each other. You all are supporting each other's practice. You think about it. Think about how, how supportive it is to see other people practicing and imagine how everyone else is feeling about you when they see you practicing. Number four one, one, one is Suvajo. Suwa Suvajo. Sovajasa. Suwa jo means one is easy to talk to Easy to teach Easy to teach, this is a refuge because Nobody wants to teach someone who's hard to teach It's funny, sometimes people forget that I'm not getting paid to do this And they demand and they, they None of you, but sometimes they assume that I have some obligation to put up with them. <laughs> I really don't, and I don't mean it for myself. I mean it's it's remarkable how you read in the ancient texts. An arahant, if someone came to these arahants and asked them to teach, they'd often just say, "Look, you wouldn't understand if I told you anyway. Well, it would just be it would just be would tiresome for me. They just wouldn't teach people, you know." if they saw someone was just out to uh, was just um well wasn't ready for it and you think you know we're so used to thinking that well, these teachers should be compassionate and they really want to teach you know no 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 <laughs> nope i'm i'm saying this as a, as a warning you know if you're hard to teach it's quite possible that people just won't want to teach you And nobody's in a, un, in a, in, under any obligation to do so It's very scary, you know The Buddha said this is death It's death if, if people think hmm, This person's not worth teaching It's death for a monk Death for a Buddhist Never, never be like that. Always be someone who's easy to teach. Doesn't mean you have to agree with everything, but if you find that a teacher or our teaching is, is not, up, not for you, you ask questions. But if you really feel like you just can't understand and can't agree with it, then go away. Go somewhere else. Find another teacher. When you find a good teacher or a teaching, that is good. Try your best to listen and to learn. Suajo means not arguing on the one hand, but it also means understanding. I know people, I have students sometimes who don't argue, but they don't understand either. And they don't even try to understand. They just say yes, yes, yes. But then they go away and I find they didn't even do what I told them. None of you. No, This isn't directed at any of you. We all recognize a little bit of all of these in us So if you recognize a little bit in you Then you're all very easy to teach So don't worry about that But uh, it's, all, it's good to know So we can keep these things in mind Suvajo so doesn't just mean being being complacent It also means really making effort To try and understand and listen Focus on the teaching number 5 is helping each other with uh, with whatever whatever tasks there are the community is a refuge for us right so supporting the community doing the functions of the community right so this is all the cleaning that you guys are doing every day i'm sure I don't go and look, but I'm, I'm I'm thinking everything It must be very spotless because you all spend time every day cleaning. At our center we have no cleaning people. We employ the meditators to clean up after themselves and clean up after each other. It's a good practice, you know. And here we have it. This is a refuge because this keeps the community going. It... it it allows the community to to exist. If we didn't help out, if we didn't work at it, then it would change, you know. If we had to employ someone or something, we never would. But suppose some meditation center that has employees that do this work, then they start to you know, then well they do, they charge money and it it goes very much downhill I would say. When you just help out, when we run as a community and you think of this as your home and you be responsible for it. This is a refuge. This allows us, us allows us to have this beautiful meditation community. Number six one is Dhammakamo. Dhamma is interesting. Kama is is actually desire. Kama is is uh, this liking. Kama is a bad thing, usually. Any kind of desire is bad, but Dhamma is different. It's a figure of speech really, but it means one who who likes the Dhamma, right? Do you like the Buddha's teaching? Or do you secretly hate it And just swallowing this bitter pill If you don't like the Buddha's teaching And you're just putting up with it Because we give you a meditation practice Then it's a problem I think sometimes we do once in a while Get people like that Who aren't, aren't interested in Buddhism But they just want to learn how to meditate And well This is the only place they could find Something like that Or it was free or something like that that's a problem it makes it very difficult to succeed you know you're you know you're on the right track and you know you're you're powerful when you when the dhamma is is joy enjoyable is uh, enjoyable doesn't mean the meditation practice is not stressful and painful and tough it's very tough it challenges you to face things that you don't want to face but when you do it gladly and when you listen to the Buddha's teaching and just think that's that's my cup of tea that's a real refuge that's a sign, it's a sign that you're out to succeed some people are always doubting skeptical Maybe even indifferent. Yeah, okay, I'll try it. Oh, that's dangerous. I mean, it's understandable, but it's a sign that they don't yet have this refuge of really just feeling joy at hearing the Buddha's teaching. Feeling joy at the idea of practicing meditation. That's a real refuge. Number seven. Number Seven, one is has strong effort. Arada video. video. One is energetic. Laziness, of course, is our enemy. When you're energetic, this is uh, this is a refuge. It's a refuge because it means you keep going. You don't have to push hard or anything in the practice. Energy is always a tricky one because if you push, it becomes controlling, trying to control. Real energy is mental. It's even when you're very tired, the energy to continue to be mindful to the moment you fall asleep. That's a refuge. It's the effort to give up unwholesomeness and to cultivate wholesomeness, really. Number eight, one is content. Content with whatever. That's a refuge. Discontent is is a big danger, especially for a meditator. Even just discontent with food in a meditation center you might get fairly simple food maybe it's not the food that you're used to it's funny hearing Buddhists complain sometimes because because Buddhists are are in in very different countries so you've got the Chinese Buddhists and you've got the Thai Buddhists and you've got the Sri Lankan Buddhists and the Burmese Buddhists and the Western Buddhists and our foods are all different so it's fun watching Watching us in in each other's cultures And complaining about the food It can be very difficult Very difficult for Thai people to eat Sri Lankan food Or Western people to eat Thai food Sometimes I think Western people like Thai food But it can be difficult after a while To just eat rice every day, every day, every day If you're not used to rice be content with your room, be content with this place sometimes in the beginning a meditator might feel very discontent there's nothing it's not a beautiful place, right? Just this room, it's kinda like a dungeon down there very easy to get discontent, you get caught up in this, right? because there's nothing wrong with it, it's not a dungeon and what's wrong with a dungeon? Right, we give it this word, give it this, this idea of, oh, this is like, someone else might look at it and say, wow, I've got my own cave. I'm, I'm, I'm a cave-dwelling meditator. And be very happy with it. Cultivating contentment is important. Oh, it's incredibly important. Contentment really describes the path in one way, describes the goal in one way. Contentment means not not wishing things were otherwise. Contentment means objectivity. However it is, I'm still happy. I'm still at peace. Number nine is mindfulness, of course. We have to include mindfulness in here. One has mindfulness. And the Buddha uses a term that's, uh, we don't talk about much, is sati-nepaka. Sati-nepaka. Nepaka Nepaka is from nipaka. Nepaka means like uh, discerning. And there's lots of words that pair with mindfulness. And it's, we don't have to read too much into it But basically what the Buddha is saying is he's use sati and it, it, it involves itself often with wisdom So we have sati sampajanya Sampajanya is also wisdom Nepaka is a kind of wisdom Because mindfulness allows you to grasp an object Fully grasp it The mindful mind is not wavering It's not forgetful And so it confronts the object, it understands the object Or it it allows for the understanding to arise And of course that's our greatest refuge And the Buddha elsewhere has said that One dwells with oneself as a refuge By practicing the four satipatthana The four foundations of mindfulness are the greatest refuge Because they make you invincible If you can cultivate that objectivity Then what could possibly hurt you? Everything in existence boils down to experience Right? There's nothing out there that's not going to be experience And if you can be at peace with experience So you're not judging it Then you're invincible Nothing can hurt you Nothing can make you suffer And number ten is wisdom. So Sati goes with wisdom. Satipanya. Nibedikaya Samadukaka Kaya Gaminya. Wisdom that leads to the leads to detachment. Oh no, penetrating wisdom. Noble penetrating. And leading to the right destruction of suffering So we talk a lot about wisdom Wisdom it's, its really the key And it's really the pinnacle in Buddhism But wisdom isn't something that you study Or something that you hear, right? Wisdom means to know Wisdom is when you see that the things you thought Were worth clinging to are not worth clinging to It doesn't even feel like wisdom It's not how we think of wisdom in the West But it's a It's an awareness It's a knowledge Like when you touch fire And then you know that the fire is hot It's that kind of knowledge When you know not to get angry Because that's just silly You know not to Be greedy When you you eat and you're no longer attached to the food Because you've learned That food is not worth clinging to Greed is not a useful thing so the buddha said sanatha bikave viharata dwell as one with a refuge and these are 10 dhammas that allow one to have a refuge to have a protector protection there you go that's the dhamma for tonight something useful for us many things that are helpful in our practice hopefully Thank you. Okay, some questions. Three questions tonight. Should one have increasing meditation time or just be more content with the present reality? Are there ways to increase mindfulness without formal meditation? One should do both, ideally. Um, But, you know, I mean, it's not magic. There's no magic formula. We're talking about building habits. And at the same time as you're building the habit of being mindful, other habits are are conflicting with it. So if you're just relying on daily daily mindfulness, well, the question is how mindful can you be? And in the beginning, probably not very much because it's a new habit. So there's no magic. There's no answer to your question besides that. Um, you know, the the more you the more you can be mindful, the more quickly the habit is going to be cultivated. It's completely up to you how quick you, how how long it takes you to cultivate mindfulness. Okay. I lost one question. Did I delete the wrong question or did someone else delete it? One of the five precepts not to harm living things came upon a spider. Does that precept apply to living things? Yes, it applies to animals, peoples, bugs. Doesn't apply to plants. Just to sentient being. And that's it. So thank you all for coming out.